Welcome to the hashtag blessed version of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. I am your host slash moderator, Josiah. And on the panel today, I have... Byron. Will. Alicia. Alicia. Welcome to the show. Hey. Uh, and I guess this, I guess the same to Byron and Will, I suppose, but they've been... Hey, oh, thanks, guy. Okay. You're welcome, Kyle's. Brief, really quick reminder before we jump right in it. This is our short form show where we try to spend less time talking about things. We give you our millennial hot takes as pastors slash former pastors who happen to be millennials. We do three different segments, five minutes for the first two, five minutes each, and then 10-ish minutes for the last one. Um, And today, we're going to start with getting to know Alicia. Hooray! Hooray, Alicia. Thanks, team. Yeah, we're excited. So (laughs) I I think we're going to do a five-minute segment. And uh, once you hear a little trill is what it's called on the timer, if you can hear it, I'll let you know. If not, we'll try to wrap up that segment and move on to the next one. You ready, Alicia? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go, team. Okay, Alicia, um, give us the rundown. Give us the thing that you explain to people. I'm Alicia. I do this. This is where I live. Give us your spiel. Yeah. I am the lead pastor of Hayward First Church of the Nazarene. It's a multicultural, multilingual, multi-congregational church um, on the east side of the Bay Area in Northern California, um, just south of Oakland, if you know where that is. Uh, I'm currently bemoaning the fact that my basketball team, the Golden State Warriors, has left the East Bay for San Francisco. It's very sad. <laughs> I'm 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 pretty much I don't know if I'm moving through the stages of grief very well. I'm I'm pretty sad about it. How are you feeling about your Niners though? Uh they they, they were never my team. Oh wait, honest. you're a Raiders then, huh? No, no, no. Uh born and raised in Southern California, uh an alum of Point Loma Nazarene University, and so hardcore San Diego team fan base. The one exception I think is the Golden State Warriors. So mm. so there's that. Yeah. Um Let's see. I'm also uh, the co-host of another podcast called A Plain Account. Uh, we oh, It's an online free Wesleyan lectionary resource. So if you're a lectionary preacher, tune in uh, and hear us read through the gospel text. That's So that's really mostly what I do. And I drink cappuccinos and eat avocado toast, and I'm always on the hunt for the best breakfast burrito. Okay, do you remember? Because we're reminiscing. uh, Byron was not able to be on the long-form episode where you were on our first season of Millennial Pastor Podcast. Um, Do you remember how millennial you were? Because we did the How Millennial Are You stereotypical game. Yes, I do remember that. I feel like I was pretty 50-50. I'm... Like sometimes really obviously hardcore millennial and sometimes totally not. I feel like one of the things I asked you that was just a nail in the coffin. So millennial was you should probably spend more on coffee than retirement. I, I feel Absolutely. like that was you. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm currently spending zero on retirement and quite <laughs> a lot on coffee. So <laughs> Not hard to do then. Exactly. That's exactly it. Well, we're excited to have you on the show. Um, I have more questions, but I was actually going to do a little different thing this time. Byron, Will, do you guys have any questions you have for Alicia? I can give you a second, ask her another one if you would like, but if there's anything you're curious about to get to know Alicia better, shoot. Give me a second. I'll, yeah, I'll thanks call. for literally no time to think about this and putting us on the spot. That's okay, the next question, Alicia. You ready? You ready, Alicia? Yes, I got another I'm ready. question. Well, it's more of a statement response. 
So one of the curious things that we talked about in your podcast, but then also in a couple other podcasts, is being that we're Wesleyan, Arminian, we're Nazarene. We have women that we have as lead pastors. Um, but you're a single female lead pastor in a multi-congregational, multicultural uh, church, which I think retroactively I started calling you a unicorn um, because you don't exist, but I guess you do exist. You're the, you're the one or two instances of this happening. <laughs> how much does that... How, how much do, do you empathize with that or do, how much does that resonate with you being a unicorn in a denomination? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like it's kind of the, the triple threat. I, I, I do feel like like any professional gathering, I'm guaranteed to be somehow different, whether I'm the only woman in the room or the only like unmarried person in the room. Um, that's, that's like an interesting dynamic for sure. Um, I guess though, like it's the water that I swim in. And so sometimes I, I forget that it's even a thing, um, until people start asking me questions about it. I just had a chance to spend this past week at speaking at a high school retreat and had a couple of girls asking me loads of questions about what it's like to be a woman who's a pastor and these sorts of things. And I guess I just sometimes forget about it. It's just, you know, hard to pay attention to your own life when you know that this is just how it is. If that makes sense. For sure. Well, I'm glad you exist. And I don't know if Brian or Will has any more questions. (laughs) I I have a question. Okay. We got like 40 seconds left. So shoot. Perfect. How often does someone in your congregation try to set you up with some guy that they related to or no? Um, you know what? That really hasn't happened much in uh, in this congregation because most of my folks have family in the Philippines or in Fiji yeah. or like in other places of the world. It might happen a little bit more frequently if like the grandkids and nephews and all of that lived closer. Saved by <laughs> saved by the internationality. Yeah, that's, those are not great conversations to have with people in your congregation. Like, <laughs> oh, no. that's the timer. Will, did you have a question? I'll give you a second to ask if you did. Otherwise, we'll move sure. on. Sure. Yeah, Alicia, what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> oh, green. Well done, guys. We did Total it. Total millennial. Um, Total millennial. Yeah. yeah, that's a my, millennial answer, huh? <laughs> my house is full of plants. I just have green things everywhere. Alicia, you that's should awesome. live up where I live if you like green. I do. Yeah, I I would I would love it. I would love to live in the forest. Do it. It's good for you. <laughs> All right. Segment two is of cultural relevance. Um, we're changing the name. We've changed it forever ago, um, but I almost called it the last name. What what did we what did I used to call it something about the cool kids and you guys hated the name? It doesn't matter. Just it was really <laughs> bad. It was a bad name. You did a bad job, Justin. I love that. you guys. Thanks for keeping me humble. <clears throat> we love so, you. So yeah. anyway, segment two, Byron, you're gonna lead us off. You ready? Let's do it. All right, I'm gonna paint a picture for you and then ask a question. So timer is starting right now. Okay. So recently, um, this is this is what I can piece together from all the different stories. Gen Z came up with this awesome phrase called OK Boomer, which is throwing shade at boomers for some of the things that they, I guess, perceived by Gen Z brush under the the rug. Things like not caring about climate change, not caring about uh, the way they're going to leave the planet for for these younger generations to deal with in the future, um, or just dismissing general things that younger generations care about. However, millennials seem to already have some beef established with boomers um 
because maybe they're our parents' generation and there's already going to be that in infighting that's going on. Um, my question for you, and I'm going to do rapid fire. I'm going to ask a more serious question in a second. So, Byron, Will, you're on deck, and then Alicia, then we're going to come back to Byron. Byron, A, have you heard of this OK Boomer thing? Yes. OK, Will, you've heard this too, right? Just from you. Oh, cute. What, what about you, Alicia? Have you heard the OK Boomer thing? Yes, and seen several memes. Okay, so if you haven't heard, OK Boomer is now being seen as very disrespectful. Um, one, one boomer, a radio host in New York or something like that, compared it to the N-word, which is a bit much, if you ask me. It's How- not a bit much. It's way over the top. <laughs> it's, it's way over it's the top. It's bogus. That's fine. That guy's an idiot. I'm sorry. Okay. That's ridiculous. Byron, have you been tempted to say OK Boomer since hearing this slightly derogatory slang being thrown around yes or no in real life or online either way in real life no online maybe not really i don't know i think it's funny but i don't know what about you will just just with you guys <laughs> laughing through our text messages so since, so no, since i've told really. will about okay boomer it seems like he said okay boomer to me three or four times already even though i'm not a boomer so what about you alicia <laughs> honest honest time have you been tempted to uh type out the okay boomer to to responses on the interwebs or face-to-face um only in my mind (laughs) (laughs) like uh i'm a pretty conflict avoidant person so you'd have to make me a real mad for me to come out with an okay boomer but i've thought about it okay so circling back to byron serious question now uh is there just beef and bad blood between boomers and millennials or apparently because gen z came up with it do you think gen z is almost trying to stir up the pot no, I think millennials all are not millennials. Generations just do this. Okay. There was there was one boomer on I don't know if it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever responded with to like a post about memes about it and they're like, "You know, I'm a boomer and this is pretty funny, but you know what it reminds me of is how I talk to my parents." <laughs> it's how generations interact. Like they, they don't like each other. It's kind of we don't respect each other's decisions or ideas. And older generations tend to say, "Well, you'll get it when you get older. You'll understand." Their parents said it to our parents. They're doing it to us. So generally speaking, you think there's going to be generational disconnect, and that's unavoidable. Yeah, at least the way in our culture it's gone. Like, I think it's pretty accurate to how we do things. What about you, Will? What do you think? Is it the same thing or no? Yeah, no, I, I do too. Yeah, I think that the generations have always been like that. I mean, if, if we were to ask our parents to think back, see, that's the problem, right? We, we are so self-forgetful and forgetful in general of just our past and what we've gone through and, and, and things like that. So when we get older, like it'll be this, honestly, it'll be the same. And we'll have to remember this. Okay. Boomer thing. <laughs> They're going to say, okay. Uh, millennial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we really will. Cause I, which I will be super funny disconnect. Yeah, it will be. What about you, Alicia? Do you think it's just kind of an unavoidable disconnect? Um, maybe, uh, but I do, I do think that there's something to be said for like the massive cultural changes that have happened in the past 20 years, right? right. Like, like the, not that there isn't massive cultural change in every generation or between these two generations, whether that's like our parents or our parents' parents or whatever, but I just think that you can't overstate the impact of technology on our lives these days oh yeah there there was a time when like touch screens didn't exist and and the and gen z now doesn't remember a time when that wasn't 
a fact or they couldn't carry around a computer in their pocket. And I just think that 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 has infiltrated so much of our lives and the way we think and the way we behave and the way we respond to people that it's like not really possible to overstate the drastic differences between like Gen Z and boomers or millennials even and boomers. Um, so I, I mean, I think sure natural disconnect between generations, but also cultural forces that have like really widened that gap. Okay. So next level question, start back with Byron. Um, European cities, European countries, what European families tend to have a little more intergenerational home life and maybe they still have some disconnects and get mad at each other, but they have to live together. Um, I'm just thinking of classic examples of people I know. In Italy, you could have three generations in the same house and they just make it work. Even if they're yelling at each other, sometimes they make it work. However, there seems to be Dif- d- deeply entrenched differences in worldviews and perspectives between let's just use millennials and boomers since we're millennials. Um, do you see that ever being resolved um, in the next couple of years or do people literally have to like, does the boomer generation have to retire off the planet? Do they all have to die before we can get past some of that stuff? I think part of the issue is kind of what, well, what Lisa just said is like, it's technology. Like, we can do this stuff behind a keyboard now. It's not your grandma or your mom yelling at you about something you don't agree with and going, okay, like you're not, most people aren't saying this in conversation with a real person. Hmm. Some might be, but like, I would never see myself as having an older person just say something. I don't agree to be okay, boomer and walk away. <laughs> That's like, well, I'm also, I try not to be that disrespectful of anybody. Like, I don't know. Like, I think me. social media and the way we can be like quote unquote anonymous, you know, and, and insult each other has changed how we interact. Yeah. In a bad way, a very bad oh. way. But like, I've had tons of conversations with older people that I just like, okay, I got to get out of this conversation because I'm going to say something I, I, I regret saying or at but least you can be tone I regret. But I, but I, but I'm actively like, how am I going to get out of this without being a jerk because i want to just respond flippantly or whatever all right we're about to run um, out of time so, so will i want to get will and then alicia a minute to respond as well what do you what do you say oh we're out of time but go for it will yeah i i think i resonated most with what alicia was saying about um not necessarily the technology change but the uh but but the idea of cultural change and and just the realities of of what what different generations face uh, as they go on. Like, so, I mean, here's a, for instance, like economy is, is a huge difference. And so like in the pastor world, um, when they talk about, like I, I sit in on meetings as a younger pastor and I hear about like older pastors complaining about younger pastors and, and talking about like comparing it to themselves. And when they were coming into pastoring and things like that. And the reality is, is that and this is just one example, but the economy was completely different uh, for, for for a lot of those, you know, boomer generation pastors when they came in. This is just an example. I'm not trying to pick on boomer pastors or anything like that. But this is just an, one one example of, of just the, how realities change. And, and, and so, it, and again, I think it'll be the same for us, too. There's going to be a new reality, you know, in 40 years for for pastors and for everyone um, just just because of because that's our world is changing Hmm. what say you alicia um just i guess like the one thing i would add that hasn't already been um really well covered in our conversation so far is that like this 
division between generations is only made worse by name calling and throwing like negative stereotypes. Maybe let's remember that millennials and Gen Z were called names first. Like they were called (laughs) entitled snowflakes and Mm -hmm. other sorts of things. And so like when you start with name calling, it's only to be expected. I guess that name calling gets thrown back with an okay boomer. Um, but I, I do also think that in the church, we're called to a different way. And so what then does it mean for us to, like, try to navigate these really diverse cultural realities and, like, come to the same table? Yeah. And that's not easy and it's messy and it's complicated. And there are going to be so many more conversations that I want to bow out of without being a jerk. Seriously. <laughs> um, but it's, it's going to take some, like maturity and wisdom and fortitude to stay and to like have the conversation you know speaking of that's a perfect segue well to... hey just uh, i know we're over can i say something real quick real fast oh i'll ask okay time. so i think one of the issues with the whole okay boomer thing is why it's so funny to us uh, is that boomers and other generations but mostly boomers have blamed us for all kinds of stuff that had nothing to do with millennials Mm-hmm. And they, they insult us and Gen Z all the time and say we're all these things. And then we make fun of them online and then they just flip out and lose it. Like they're <laughs> supposed to be the adults. Now, I know millennials are adults. Like a lot of us are in our, our mid to late 30s and late 20s. But like the boomers should be the best adults because they have the most experience of these generations we're talking about. And they take everything so hard and literally and cry about it. It's really funny. <laughs> like. For, for someone to say it, okay, like, the, the, well, using the okay boomers like using the n word. No, it's not. Not in any way whatsoever. That's a no ridiculous way. thing to say. It's, it's not and even close. If you close. were an adult and you thought about it for two and a half seconds, you would realize that's a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> yeah. And so when when you blame other generations and they respond with something that that's not even name calling you, they're just calling you a boomer because you are a boomer, or if you are rather. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're just dismissing you. They're not actually calling you a name, but being dismissed hurts your feelings so badly, but you've do it, done it to us for our whole lives. It's just millennials are just boggling. Millennials are just better practiced at trolling, and they're using it to their advantage with OK Boomer. Well, and that's, I think, where the technology comes in. Because <laughs> like, Gen Z, <laughs> it's sad reality. they've had it forever their for whole sure. life. They know how to use it better than anybody because it's been a part of their culture forever. But now we're going to and... transition to an actual <laughs> serious thing because, honestly, trolling... All right, I'm going to start the timer and I'll hold myself accountable. 15 minutes, y'all. This is theological significance. Um, there's been a lot of this going on on the interwebs, especially in our neck of the woods. Uh, if we don't say it enough, maybe we'll say it one more time. We're all Nazarene-ish. Will is sort of... Are you technically... <laughs> you call yourself Nazarene, Will? He's Nazarene-ish. A, he's I'm an a, ordained elder in the yeah. Church of Nazarene, so yes. But your do. church is I don't. I don't pastor Nazarene church. Okay, there we I, go. Yes. Anyway, He went to a Nazarene theological seminary, even though he didn't go fair. to a Nazarene undergrad because he hates them. But. So on the internet, there's things that happen no reaction. and people react. <laughs> I'm moving on. I'm moving past it. We have a periodical called Holiness Today, and if you get it, you may have read some of the articles in it. One of the articles was hotly contested on the interwebs in every NAS circle that I, I am a part of. Um, so every Facebook group, every friend, everyone seemed to be talking about it. And it had to do with human sexuality. And so to give the most brief synopsis of it, um, the article was written by n- someone that is not a Nazarene. Um, but they basically shared an article that uh, most that I know who read it, and there's some that don't agree with this. That's why I'm trying to phrase it this way. 
Um, but most of the people that I know that read it, that I saw, and I agree with this, it went against our statement on human sexuality. And our statement on human sexuality, to boil it down in the most simplistic of terms, but feel free, anyone on the panel that uh, wants to chime into this, uh, basically, we have made a stance, uh, we have revised our stance on human sexuality since the last General Assembly, which is where we go and vote on stuff and decide what we believe. And we basically have said that we don't think that the orientation, so simply being same-sex attracted, is sin. We think that uh, when Paul talks about homosexuality in the New Testament, he is literally referring to the act. So he's referring to the homosexual act, so acting on those uh, um, attractions. Needless to say, not everyone agrees with that. I don't know what it voted by. I don't know what it was passed by, what margin. I don't know how many people voted for or against. But you can tell that within our circles, within the Nazarene denomination, there are a lot of feelings about this. So we have some people that, that are in um, LGBTQ-specific ministries that were saying, wow, is this really what we believe now? Because I don't know if I can be doing the ministry I do anymore. And then we have um, other people saying, no, don't go. This is wrong. Why did they publish this? And we have some in leadership, even DSs, proclaiming this Holiness Today article as this should be our standard of what we believe. Yes, we're getting back to what we should be about but at the end of the day and this is the question i'm going to kind of ask you guys to respond to and i'll, I'll ask will you're going to respond first and then let's get alicia in here next and then byron um i don't necessarily want to get into the nitty-gritty because our nazarene stance is simply put that the orientation itself is not sinful so you can actually be a, for all intents and purposes hypothetically speaking a homosexual who is non-practicing celibate, and you can be an ordained pastor in the Nazarene Church. Um, I don't know how they verify that or do the accountability for that. I don't really know how any of that works, but there are plenty of people that don't agree with that. And if you were on Facebook at all this last week, you may have seen how many pastors or long-life, long Nazarenes were fighting with each other. But I, I don't know. It, it was kind of it was sad to me that it just seemed, and maybe this is, you can tell me if, if you get got a different sense for this, but I just saw a lot of people kind of trolling each other and our worst side came forward. Did you have a similar experience? Did you see any of this stuff, Will, or are you not connected to the Nazarene world enough anymore to see this stuff? No, I, I mean, I definitely saw it. I, I definitely saw it. And again, I mean, partially just because you know, there's a group of us that text that are that are Nazarene pastors, and we just, yeah, always, always connect that way. And I know, you know, a good friend of mine who, who is a pastor here in the Kansas City district, who who's, uh, who was hurt by the article for sure. So, um, so yeah, so I yeah, so I was definitely I definitely saw it. I, you, know, you and I have talked about this a lot, Josiah, about other things, but I hate social media as an outlet for my opinion or your opinion or, or like a debate, like, uh, it's not a place to have a converse, a serious conversation. It's a place to post pictures of my children. You know what I mean? Like, cause, cause I, you will say things and I will say things to each other or type things, I guess I should say that I would not say to your face. Um, so, so if I, if, if I'm not going to say, See, to me, it's just, it's just not a real, it's a virtual reality. <laughs> and so I, do, I just don't really want to participate in it in, in, in that way. Like I can't have that conversation 
with you uh, via via Facebook. I, it's not healthy, I don't think. I haven't seen it be healthy to have a debate with somebody that you disagree with uh, and, and try to communicate with through, through Facebook. It's just not a good good way to do it, Alicia, I don't think. Alicia, do you think our denomination uh, took a hit? Do you think we did some self-inflicting damage, either because of what we published in Holiness Today or the divisive response on Facebook? I mean, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I have so many thoughts. The Nazarene Facebook world was insane last week. It was it was just nuts. I, like, I, I had to uh, just mute things and uh and step away just because um there was like like has been said this is a really sensitive topic with a lot of feelings involved um this is maybe like the most sensitive and most polarizing topic in our const in our context today and um as we just mentioned, social media really isn't a place for serious conversation and, and certainly not for maybe the most serious conversation facing our denomination. I don't know if any of our listeners paid attention um, to the United Methodist Church and their convention um, yeah. recently where, where like, like the welcoming and affirming LGBTQ uh, folks um and like a more conservative and conventional traditional stance really like split their denomination they had a big vote at their like uh a major gathering that was that was almost 50 50 and and it's seeing so many like so much um so much fallout like from from that vote that might end up splitting their denomination and the church of the nazarene is a sister denomination with the united methodist church and i just like foresee this conversation being like as as divisive for us um and and so so i think that really played out on social media this week where you saw like really deep rooted and uh like majorly sensitive responses coming out in ways that um, people would never talk to each other that way. No. And so I'm going to ask you follow up Alicia before we go to Byron, because you touched on something that I was feeling. So my own uh, through this, all I kept thinking in my head was we're like the UMC and we're going to split over this. That's all I could keep thinking of yeah, through all and, of this. Well, and so, so that's what's crazy. So our manual statement on human sexuality was carefully recrafted by committee. It took four years to get this proposal. It was voted gen- on. To the General Assembly in 2017. It was voted on and it passed with like like more than 90%. I can't oh, okay. remember whether it was like 92% or 97%. Like I'm glad was, you said that because I was, was worried I wasn't articulating what our stance was well enough. So, yes. No, so so that like, like our, our previous stance was rather harsh and had some pretty pejorative language and so in a move to be just a little bit more um gentle in the statement uh it like like our kind of core beliefs i don't think were changed by the rewording or reworking of the statement but it it did it did reflect a more gentle and welcoming stance um that like you said affirmed that sexual orientation isn't a sin, um, but some sexual behavior is. Uh, and so this new, like, gentler, shorter 
stance on human sexuality was passed like more than 90% at General Assembly in 2017. Um, and I thought that that signaled like a, like a more open attitude or stance toward like having a conversation about what it means to, to welcome or serve or minister alongside LGBTQ plus. Or just be nice to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I think we're seeing a lot of backlash from like the much more conservative contingent of Nazarenes. And so, so I'm wondering what's going to happen at the next general assembly, whether the pendulum is going to be like pushed back way to the other side. Um, and well, and then what, what the pushback toward that response is going to be like, like that. I, I just can't stop thinking that this might be the thing that like splits the church of the Nazarene. Well, Byron, you were in the Methodist church. Um, and you're yep. still connected to Nazarene Dom. You were once a pastor in the Nazarene Church, also served in the Methodist Church. What say you? So I was actually going to bring up the same thing about the, the vote that the UMC had this summer and how it was... I wasn't really sure how it was going to go down. I was keeping a close eye on it because I was curious. But um, that denomination is much more friendly to anybody who might be homosexual or whatever, I mean, someone who's not your typical heterosexual. Um, and I, I'm i not shocked that it went down the way it did, where people were like, okay, you know what, we're done, we're going to split. I don't think the Nazarene Church is anywhere close to even having the conversation they were having, because we are very far behind as far as that logic goes, I think. Um, but, like, I was impressed in 2017 with our change of statement, because it, it's a much nicer statement to like, Hey, let's treat people like people. And you know, if you don't like, I don't know, like I think in the church in general, but in like more conservative areas, we talk about homosexuality and we put it on a pedestal of sin. Um, yeah. It's the sinfulest like, sin. The thing is like, so they talk about like, well, you know, like this is before when I was a kid, obviously before gay marriage, but like, well, they can have, they have sex and they're not married. And like, this is always bad. Well, if they, but if I was a teenager and, and got someone pregnant, for instance, if that had happened, they would have not been happy with me, but they would have been much more like, oh, well, we can forgive them eventually, probably. At like, least was, you're not gay. Is what yeah, well, there, there are people in our, like in our denomination or in our, the church we grew up in who were female who got pregnant in high school and it didn't go great, but like there was some push to like, Hey, you know what? They made a major mistake and they're dealing with it and you know, whatever. But like, if someone came out as gay, it would have been a totally different situation. It would have been the the end of the world. So now we, now we do have legalized gay marriage, which I think is interesting because no one ever brings that up in in conversations I've had anyway. Um, But like, they don't talk about like, if I, if I had an affair and cheated on my wife, that would be bad, but it wouldn't be as bad as me being gay. Still, and this is the Nazarene Church. I believe that to be 100% true. So do you think like, this is the split that, th- is this the thing that leads us to no, a split? I don't, well, not anytime soon. I think we're still so far away from that conversation in the Nazarene Church. Um, I think it will happen eventually, and we will have people who will leave. But I'm not sure which side of the argument is going to be more, pre- like, more not prevalent, uh, more, I don't know. I don't know who's going to have... 
it's going to be a long time. So um, we might not have that same voice of the older generation anymore. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think there'd be more millennial and Gen Z voices in that conversation than there are, could be at this point. And it, I don't know what the church is going to do. Um, Cause it does have to go to a vote. That's a, that's the thing. But I think, I don't think we're going to be there for the next general assembly. Okay. So I, I, I am afraid we will. I, I, I am afraid we're going to push back though too hard and change language, try to change language again and be harsh when so, that's unnecessary. I like our statement as what I've read as is for right now. Anyway, like I think we're in a good place ish. What do we do about the infighting for now though? And this could be anyone whoever wants to respond. What, I mean, technically Will's turn, but if you want to pass well, I mean, what do we do about what seems to be continuing ripple effects of infighting? Just today I saw, and I think it's your friend in Kansas City, he was basically attacked on Facebook. It was terrible. Like someone just raked him over the coals. What do we do about infighting, about engaging on social media, about agreeing to disagree, even though it's not really something, I mean, it's just our stance. It's what we believe. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I think we need to become more like Christ. I guess. Um, what are you? Mm, this is a yeah. concept. So, but we'll let me let me let me that. say let me say this though real quick. <laughs> let me say this real quick. So the 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 Church of the Nazarene is probably one of the most frustrating denominations that there could be, right? And we started that way. Mm-hmm. So if you know the history of the Church of the Nazarene, like like we are a mutt organization like we've brought in all these different voices all these different um theological uh um backgrounds and things like that into our group uh from from the very beginning and so when you do that (laughs) you really have to be wesleyan right and we're not all very wesleyan because we didn't we didn't start all very wesleyan and we have to find that middle way um and that's really hard that's that's tough that's tough Mm. work to do and so we have so from the from our very like from our inception as a denomination we, we kind of started out as in contention and in danger of contention because of all the different backgrounds and all the different voices you know and all the regions that we represent are all very different um as you as you all well know so you, you guys are west coasters so you're so far stinking <laughs> liberal you know and everybody else i'm just kidding but yeah. you get the point you know i mean right we, each we, other we're off regional and we're yeah and we and like some of us are more like holiness movement people and some of us are more you know wesleyan and so we, it's just a it's it's a tough dynamics uh in the midst of our church and so like we've talking before i guess to answer your question the size like we need to offer each other grace and peace um as a whole. And I think Elisa kind of mentioned it too, but just, just offering each other grace and peace uh, in, in the midst of all these conversations. And that's really hard to yeah, do. Yeah. Maybe uh, just to these to days, like tag off of that. I, I would also say that like in the church of the Nazarene, we started with all of these diverse and divergent perspectives, but it was also something we valued and affirmed from the beginning. Right. So like yeah. really that's something that we need to come back to our roots about to say like, like we come from different regions, different perspectives, different generations. And that's something that we affirm as beautiful and significant and makes us who we are as the church of the Nazarene. Um, so again, grace, peace, a lot of like practicing civil discourse and like just be kind be a decent human being and remember that like Mm -hmm. we're 
we're meant to be sitting alongside people who are drastically different from us. And yet we know that we belong to God and we belong to each other and we got to find a way to live and work together and be about God's business together. So I'm going to ask closing, mm-hmm. uh, okay. closing thoughts. We'll kind of, he already gave his, cause I'm going to ask a similar question of you, Alicia, and then you Byron. Um, it seems like, our conversations kept revolving around social media um, and talking about grace and peace. So because it seems that social media is such a problematic spot to have these conversations, but it seems to be where people want to talk most about some of these uh, really hot topics. How do we go forward and engage and celebrate that diversity and extend grace and peace and not give into the temptation of okay, boomerang people we don't agree with. What's just a practical thing that you yourself uh, try to do on a daily basis to extend grace and peace instead of write people off, okay, boomer them, Alicia. Oh gosh, um, I'm not sure this is a great response, but but some like sometimes I just like don't respond. <laughs> um, like I think sometimes the the holiest thing to do is to not engage, to not like add more fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. And that, that takes like some discernment. Cause, cause at there, there are lots of times where, where it is necessary to like, like chime in and be an active peacemaker and peacekeeper in yeah. those conversations. But sometimes like, like there, there are some, some people, some, discussions that are from recent memory that are coming to my mind where I think like this person just like can't listen, can't hear, and it's not worth it. Um, so, so I, I just think it, it comes down to discernment. Like, and, and if people really do want to have a conversation, I, I think you can sense that and you can kind of do your best to lean in and, and, chime into a conversation and I think sometimes you can sense when people just want to like put something out into the world and don't really want to talk about it but maybe to answer your question one practical thing that I do is I won't comment on a post unless I'm committed to reading all the other comments and like chiming <laughs> investing chi- like chiming into the thread like I'm not going to drop a drop a comment and ghost it right like yeah. like that if I'm going to engage in a conversation I'm going to engage in a conversation so that's that's something that I'm committed to doing and so if if I find myself thinking like uh I don't care enough to read the other comments and to provide a couple of responses, then I'm not going to say anything at all. I like, what about you, Byron? How do you extend grace and peace on Facebook, Twitter, <clears throat> whatever, instead of okay, boomerang people? I don't engage. <laughs> you just I mean, just... Straight up. Uh, here's my thing. Like there's a lot of things with the church of Nazarene or other churches in general that frustrate me. I don't put them online. Hmm. Um, I have conversations with my friends or even people I don't agree with in person, um, which in makes me be a little more friendly to people. I try to be. Um, I've occasionally commented on random things. I try to, only time I really try to answer questions online like that, when there was something like something, a topic like this, or when people are asking for clarification about a topic or like, hey, I don't understand why this is an issue. Can you give me like the facts? And I say, hey, this is what I think people are perceiving it this way. This is what people are angry or whatever it might be. That's different because a lot of times you'll get the response of like, okay, thank you for the clarification. I understand what's going on now. But like, I don't see a lot of value in social media and 
people are just mean to each other for and, and intentionally. It's not always in, unintentional. They they will go out of their way to say terrible things to each other. Yep. So I don't poke the bear as very much. Um, and when I do, it's very cautiously. And I've really thought about it. There's a lot of times where I would type. I'll type something out and be like, you know what? Never mind. I just erase the whole thing and move on with my day. Um, the other thing I do, which is important to me as a person because of how I was raised, um, is I try to use proper punctuation. I try to spell things correctly um, and not respond so quickly that I can't, you know, proofread because people will type things and you're just like, what, is, what are they even saying at this point? Yep. Need, um, your, need that, your comments. Well, or, or just even try. If you're going to have a conversation, you try to make sure the person understands where you're coming from or what you're saying. And if you're typing it out and you just type gibberish because you don't know how to spell or you're not taking the time to proofread, that's an issue too. That's not a good conversation because then people just mm-hmm. misunderstand what you're saying and get angry. And it's just like, I, I don't know. Social media just sucks to have those conversations. Yeah. And I'm, I try to avoid them, honestly, because I don't think it's healthy for anybody. My... I will get upset too. Is it a thing? Like, you I'll get read too worked up. And I'll be like, you know what? This is stupid. I'm really mad at this person. I go, hold on. Like, why is this important? I don't even know this person. Yeah. I've never met them. You so, get sucked in. Yeah. So, like, I got to make sure that I am doing something that is nice to people and treating them with respect, even if they don't treat me that way. Like, if, if you, like, respond to my thread and are a, either are, are a troll or legitimately, like, you disagree with me so strongly that you're just going crazy, I just stop answering you. Mm-hmm. Because it's not that's not a discussion, that's an argument, and I'm not interested in doing that, especially online. Like I had a, a little I was at Point Loma this summer for a young adult retreat, and at breakfast we got into a major discussion, and and with like one of the guys, like I don't really know him that well. He's a fr- he's a brother of my friend, a guy I do know, and I was getting pretty upset about what they were saying. It wasn't about this topic, but um, so I finally just said, you know what? What's everyone's favorite cartoon? Like, I just changed the topic because I'm not having this conversation because I was face-to-face with them. Mm. And I was like, it's not worth getting so worked up to be mean and, like, be disrespectful to them, even though we very much disagree on something. Yeah. Like, just move on. We're still people. Let's have a good time. We're in San Diego. Let's have fun. Like, it wasn't worth it to me. And so I changed the subject. And we had a good conversation about cartoons. Like, well, we're running short on time. I'm going to interrupt you, Byron. Will, do you have anything to add? No. No, I don't think so. I, uh, I think I don't even remember your question now. Josiah, <laughs> okay, so well, I'll answer it. The practical step I take for myself is if I don't actually want to say it to their face, why would I type mm. it online? It's very subjective. It's hard yeah. to guarantee that that's the way it is, but it seems to be a, a decent rule. But the problem is I have a big mouth and I say stuff on podcasts and I say stuff in person all the time. So maybe it's not the best rule for me and maybe I should revisit it. But truly... If you hear anything from this podcast, perhaps don't give in to the temptation of okay boomering someone you don't agree with, especially if they're a boomer and you just want to be a troll. Don't do that. And then if you're a boomer, reversing it to millennials, don't call them entitled and snowflakes. That's jacked up. But instead, maybe try to show people grace and peace and extend an opportunity. This is what I was told once. It It was a wise statement. Give someone the grace of having the last word. Uh, and that's just a nice sentiment because some people just really want to fight to have their voices heard. And if you're not giving into that game, you're extending them some sort of grace and peace by letting them have the final word. We don't like to do that on Facebook or Twitter. That's why you can infinitely comment. 
but I don't think that's going to get us anywhere. So if anything that you have heard from this, if you've heard anything from this episode, maybe don't give in to the temptation to OK Boomer anybody. Does that sound fair, guys? Okay, millennial. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this has been the hashtag blessed version of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. We have social media, even though we just trashed using it and how it's so bad. But you can see us make fun of ourselves on our Facebook page, on Twitter, on Instagram. We basically just have fun with millennial stereotypes. But occasionally, we have some serious and significant conversations about these sorts of things and about stereotypes and how they're unhelpful in general for generational discourse. But that's it for today, folks. We hope you rate, review, subscribe, and stay tuned next time for the hashtag Blessed Millennial Pastor Podcast. I'm your moderator, Josiah, and on the panel today we had... I'm Byron. Will. Alicia. You stay hashtag blessed.